Just as long as my heart beats, I must answer yes to love. Disappointment pierced me through, still I kept on loving you. If they ask what I did best, tell them I said yes to love. Too Embarrassed Not to Kill, Robert Harris. Only a handful of novels and short stories have managed to clarify in any lasting way the meaning of the war in Vietnam for America and the soldiers who served there. With the things they carried, Tim O'Brien moves beyond the horror of the fighting to examine with sensitivity and insight the nature of courage and fear by questioning the role that imagination plays in helping to form our memories and our versions of truth. In the title story, Mr. O'Brien juxtaposes the mundane and the deadly items that soldiers carry into battle. Can openers, pocket knives, wristwatches, mosquito repellent, chewing gum, candy, cigarettes, salt tablets, packets of Kool-Aid, matches, sewing kits, sea rations are humped by the GIs along with M16 assault rifles, M60 machine guns, M79 grenade launchers. But the story is really about the other things the soldiers carry. Grief, terror, love, longing, shameful memories, and what unifies all the stories the common secret of cowardice. These young men, Mr. O'Brien tells us, carried the soldier's greatest fear, which was the fear of blushing. Men killed and died because they were embarrassed not to. Embarrassment is why he went to Vietnam. He almost went to Canada instead. What stopped him? ironically, was fear. All those eyes on me, he writes, and I couldn't risk the embarrassment. I couldn't endure the mockery or the disgrace or the patriotic ridicule. I was a coward. I went to the war. We Remember, by Heather K. Chanuels. Spirit of life and love, God of memory, mourning, and history, bring, us, bring before us the truths of serving in war. Bring before us in compassion and in gratitude those who faced violence so we may know peace. We remember these sacrifices through monuments. We remember these names carved into stone, inscribe them on our hearts this day, inscribe them on our conscience every day. So like the stone that bears their names, freedom from violence may endure in our nation 
and around the world. November 11 is a federal holiday. Initiated at the end of World War I, first known as Armistice Day, was renamed Veterans Day in 1954. A special Veterans Day ceremony will be held today at Arlington National Cemetery, the 100th such ceremony. Since we are not there, but here, and because we appreciate all those who are serving or have served, can we please ask our veterans to rise and step forward at this time? We have poppies for each of you. They may have the appearance of something insignificant, but they share a message much larger than their appearance. An international tradition, well known in Canada, uh, poppies express gratitude for all that you have done to honor and protect this country and those who live in it. If you can, please, please seek out these veterans after the service and share a personal thank you at that time. As we remember, we are remembered. Our monthly theme is memory, therefore the title. We remember means we look at our personal memories. We seek the totality of what we remember, the good and the shadow side, the highlights and the struggles and the points in between, all of it there. We will turn to we are remembered a bit later, but first we focus on as we remember. An example of remembering came to me recently, a workshop facilitator facilitator quoted George Santayana, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Then she challenged those in the room to write his or her own eulogy, saying, make it an honest eulogy. Make it a eulogy that not only has your highest achievements, as they're often seen in eulogies, but include the mistakes you made the things you wrestled with along the way. My first thought was, that is a challenge. My second thought, can I do that? We have all made mistakes, but dealing with mistakes, remembering them, looking seriously at what happened and how and why, and learning through considering them, is a yardstick for spiritual development. I remember my trials. I remember decisions that did not work out as planned. I remember good friends who turned out to be not so good. I have memories of Vietnam, the National Organization for Women, Civil Rights, the assassinations of JFK, RFK, Martin Luther King Jr., and Malcolm X, and being involved in the sanctuary movement many years ago. But even if I shared those stories, if I told them in all their grit and their glory, could they find a place in my eulogy? That's what I wondered. 
the things they carried list items soldiers carried in Vietnam. O'Brien remembered the can openers, pick, pocket knives, wrist watches, salt tablets, sewing kits, Kool-Aid, cigarettes, candy, and chewing gum. But his list also had M16s, M60s, and M79s. There is a movement in this list, a shift from the items of life to those of death. Whose death, we do not know. Could be the writer, an enemy, or the reader for the time of all of us is short. A section is eulogy material, not for the list, though it lifts the irony of war so well, but for its turn to the other things soldiers carry, grief, terror, love, longing, shameful memories, and especially what unifies all the stories, the common secret of cowardice, the fear of blushing, being willing to die because they were embarrassed not to. Let's take a breath, a long deep breath and consider who we are. Who we are, every one of us is an energy system. Our primary energy source is our breath. There are others that contribute food, water, yes, but breathing is dominant. One working element of this energy system that we have is our mind. As we breathe, we are able to think. That leaves when we stop breathing, so far as I know. However, the way our minds work is that they bring up incomplete memories. Here's an example. As I considered this message, I challenged myself to remember a childhood prank. I said, Jim, go back and find one. And my mind turned to a high school Bible camp. At that camp, the occupants of every cabin had to do a prank for skit night. Skit night was held in the campground gym. Now there was a lake on the campgrounds, and that lake was overloaded with frogs. Their ribbit, ribbit, ribbit was so loud, we had difficulty falling asleep. And I think that led the guys in my cabin to decide our skit would be a frog race. What the campers, counselors, minister, and his family did not know was that the guys in our cabin had sequestered empty milk cartons. The single serving cartons, we had taken them to the lake after dinner and put a frog in each of them. So later that night, we introduced our skit as a frog race between two frogs. And shortly after those two frogs were let loose and everybody was gathering around to see the progress that they were making, a few more frogs were released. I heard somebody yell, there's a frog over here. Soon there were 50 frogs hopping around the gym. I have never heard so much screaming in my life. <laughs> the minister's wife bolted from the gym, her arms flailing in the air as she ran. I feel for her now, <laughs> but it was pretty funny then. That's what I remember from my childhood prank. 
But that said, as I considered deeper, I realized I could not tell you who else was in my cabin. I don't recall the names of any of the counselors or the minister, a name I once knew and knew well, or many other details from that day. Remembering, you see, only brings partial recall. Our memories are not full and complete. What sticks with us are a few moments of time, things that make an impression upon us that we carry on. Fragments may appear when we try to remember them, but the rest of it is fog. Another example, a colleague remembered a fire broke out in his house when he was just two. But now when he thinks back to that fire, he doesn't know if his memories are his and only his, or if they include all of the stories of the things he heard from relatives when they discussed the fire. Another example, people tell a little white lie, then retell it so often they begin to believe it's true. Ever heard of that? Ever done that? It is as if a little white lie can suddenly turn into a legitimate memory. Our memories are not full and complete. With that, we turn to we are remembered. As I look around this room, I could see that we all have arrived here with different memories. I'm sure you would agree. However, the memories we carried into this room are less important than what we do right now. The Reverend Gretchen Haley affirms this. This is the gift we have been given. These body clothes, this heartbreak, this pulse, this breath, this light, these friends, this hope. Here we remember ourselves, all a part of it all, giving thanks and centering joy. So while I can still chuckle at a high school prank, that prank is just a memory. Whatever role it played in character shaping, if at all, occurred many years ago. I don't pull it up to make a change in my life right now. It was there. It happened. We are remembered means that we live in this day, that this is the day to make changes, adjust, alter, commit, renew, pledge, covenant. In other words, now is the time to do our best to be our better selves. This is the hour when we give thanks and center joy. And looking back, I think we can also see that the shifts we made in the past allowed the events that have happened since then to serve as a guide for the direction we would follow. Another story. One of my high school friends, Robert, had great difficulty putting the past behind him. He shared with me that his troubles stem from choices he made years ago. Former mistakes and I have no idea what they were, troubled him greatly. He wrestled with them. 
He could not align what he had once done with his vision of who he wanted to be. He could not align what he had once done with his vision of who he wanted to be. His angst grew so large within him that he broke down, collapsed, lost his job, and his life's direction. As I look at a situation, I become ever more grateful for making decisions that freed me up from the constraints, the religious restrictions Robert chose to accept. We were both raised in a strict religious community, one where church members accepted five separate creeds and 10,000 thou shalt nots. Robert accepted the entirety of that approach. He became a minister in that tradition. My search for truth and meaning led me to the value the words of a hymn I heard in childhood. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. That song, when I considered it, as I heard it, and in years since, has carried forward an inner conviction within me. It opened me to the study of other faiths, and it is in those faiths, when I looked at them closely, that I found a similar acceptance of everybody, no matter who they are or where they come from. The choice to accept all the children of the earth led me to this faith in 1992. Something that we as Unitarians, Unitarian Universalists, primarily I think on the Universalist side, see that all of us are worthy, every single one. May the love in our hearts, friends, find love in the hearts of those around us. Namaste. For each child that's born, a morning star rises and sings to the universe who we are. For each child that's born, a morning star rises and sings to the universe who we are. We, we are our grandmother's prayers and we are our grandfather's dreamings we are the breath of our ancestors we are the spirit of